Welcome to The Ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Chris, many years ago, was both a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow. And it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow. He helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Green Private Wealth, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. When you say I do on your wedding day, the world seems wonderful. There would be no reason to think you might eventually be saying, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. But how do you financially prepare for divorce? Your host, Chris DeRoe, has some thoughts. Chris? Thanks, Patrice. Yeah, of course, obviously not the nicest subject to talk about, but it obviously a lot of people go through it and needs to be addressed. So I thought it'd be good to uh, just go through some tips for people that may be potentially going down that route soon or right, maybe they're right smack in the middle of it. So divorce, obviously, it's a very emotionally draining time for individuals and even the family, not just the couple. It can be also if not careful, a financially devastating time. And that's what we want to try and talk about the data, kind of help give you some education so you can make some informed decisions on if you're in that process. So putting your energy into your financial well-being at this state, well, at any stage is essential, but especially while going through this big trend life transition. You'll be forced to make some big life-changing decisions, usually in a pretty short period of time. And it's important to know what you're entitled to and where you stand in the marriage from a financial perspective. So just a cut, like a lot, most people know that unfortunately divorce is on the rise. A couple just quick stats is it's, they're saying it's about 40% of marriages end in divorce. The average length of a marriage is around 13.8 years is what the stats are saying. And uh, it's just, yeah, you have much less couples getting married compared to uh, back in the sixties and seventies but you have more than double those amount of those marriages ending in divorce. And one of the other things that a lot of people do realize is that one of the biggest issues in marriage is finance. And actually 60%, 68% of couples divorced is due to financial issues. Just wanted to just throw a couple stats out there because I know a lot of people know that divorce is on the rise. And I thought I would just give some perspective on that from a statistic standpoint and what some of the numbers are. So as you can, you know, from the numbers, it's fairly common to get divorced nowadays. And it, but it can be kind of tough to find resources and money management when it comes to divorce. Yet the more you know about things like separating finances before divorce and how to handle finances during a divorce, the better equipped you'll be. And then the minimize, and hopefully that will help you minimize the financial fallout as a result of it. So I'll start going into a couple of things on what you should know. First is fun, find and compile your financial records. So you're, you're first, you're going to want to move to protect yourself financially. And that's to basically start making a file of and summary of all your financial records, tax returns, loan documents, retirement accounts, bank accounts, investment statements, all that stuff. You're just going to want to be sure that you're aware of all those accounts and liabilities when you start going down this path. And for some people, this may not be 
their area of expertise. And it may be the other individual that deals with a lot of the finances. So this could be tougher for some others, depending on if it's mutual in the relationship or if it's more one-sided in regards to finance. Okay, next, assessing your assets. So make an exhausted list of all the assets that you can come into question when it comes to division of property. Marital assets, they're any asset or liability that you basically acquired during the term of the marriage. And this can include houses, cottages, vacant land if you had it, investments, pensions, personal belongings such as like jewelry, art, vehicles, and uh, yeah, all those things. And debts though, debts, they can also be considered marital property and just basically depending on the nature of the liability. So that's important to understand that because when we are helping clients go down this route, we hear a lot of complaints about that, that their debt is being split or kind of they're on the hook for it, but it was the other spouse that racked it up. So typical assets acquired before marriage, well, if they remain in the possession of the person who brought them into the marriage, but inheritance and gifts, they can be, like they can be excluded from divorce if it's clear that they were separate and they were never commingled. If the asset, if the assets have been used to buy like a joint property or a home, well, it doesn't matter. It's now a, 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 an asset that will be split during marriage. So it's important to know that, especially if someone, if one of someone receives an inheritance and you know that it may be going down that route, you're gonna want to keep that very. You're gonna want to keep that separate and have records of that so that it's not. A marital asset opening opening a new bank account so many married couples they have their finances combined and they use joint bank accounts for convenience sake and while you're married i'm a big advocate of that because it just the finance in the household much more efficient uh however if you have or if you plan to end your marriage one of the first steps you should be doing is opening a new bank account in your name that your spouse does not have access to and you should also make it a priority to have any direct deposits or anything like that, like from your paycheck and things to start going to that new account immediately. And then as well, your individual bills to keep it clean, you're going to want to have them coming out of your individual account. Okay, so the next thing is changing your will and updating beneficiaries. So most couples, they name each other as beneficiaries in their will and on any other investment or insurance accounts that beneficiaries are designated to. So this should be changed as soon as possible. It may not seem like a top priority, but the unexpected can happen. And no matter how amicable the divorce is, it is, it, it's, it's impossible to basically know your wishes will be honored upon your death if you're not there and if it's not in writing. So it is really important that once a decision has been made to go down that route to definitely change that. The effect that a divorce has on a will can vary. Uh, however, regardless of what your province rules are, they should not be relied on as a substitute for updating your estate plan. It, you're definitely going to want to get that updated and changed. And this just ensures that your estate goes to where you intended to without any confusion. I'll touch again on, so the, I'll touch again on the beneficiary designations because that's one that we have seen people forget. So basically your RSP, your RIF, your tax-free savings account, life insurance, they all can have a beneficiary on them. And regardless of the laws and regulation regarding wills, divorce does not have an effect on these beneficiary designations. Many, many years ago, we had an individual that lived overseas and was married for 10 years, second marriage, and that individual passed away. 
we got the call from his family and his 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 wife just assuming that the life insurance was going to her and actually it was his he wanted it to actually go to his ex that of course his current wife did not know so she obviously didn't get those proceeds because the beneficiary is named for the ex which is what he wanted so that's where it's just really in that case that's what he wanted i'm sure that probably caused a couple of conversations within the family, but it's what the individual wanted. So it doesn't just doesn't mean that if you're married, just the, the beneficiary designations will wipe out who's on there. So it's just important to understand that. And that basically the beneficiaries will override a will. So it's just basically essential to take care to update your investments and insurance as soon as possible is what I'm trying to summarize here. It is important to consult any legal agreements you may have with your former spouse, such as a separation agreements also before doing this. Uh, there may be provisions that disallow the changing of beneficiaries. So for example, many times we'll be asked to put in place a life insurance policy on someone going through a divorce because the agreement requires that the spouse that they're separating from is listed as an irrevocable beneficiary. And what that means is that if I'm the life insured and I was splitting from my spouse and there was a a court agreement that I needed to have X amount of life insurance in case something happened to me because the kids are still young and that in the agreement, it was settled that if something happened to me, there'd still be need to be financial support. So then I have to get a life insurance policy and name my ex-spouse as the irrevocable beneficiary or however it's set up. Um, and that means I can't just go change the beneficiary when we start arguing. She would have to sign off as well. And usually those policies are put in place We'll see provisions on if when they're 18, when they're done post-secondary education, but those that we do see that quite a bit. And it's just, like I said, if the kids are young and still need support, it needs to be there. One thing I'll mention is if you have life insurance and you're starting to go down this route, don't just go and cancel it or anything like that. You can change the beneficiary right away, but don't go just necessarily canceling it because even if you don't think you need it now that you're separating, you may be required to get one. And if your health has changed or anything else like that, you could end up paying higher premiums if you had to go get a new policy after you cancel the one. So changing the beneficiaries initially is fine. It just don't cancel that until you have things figured out is what I want to get at. Powers of attorney, divorce has no impact on the individual's appointment for that or for personal care, whether it's for finance or personal care. So obviously having an, an ex-spouse be on that to make decisions on your behalf wouldn't exactly be desirable. So it's very important that if you're now ex-spouse is your POA, very, very important that you take the time to choose a new person to fulfill that role for you. Uh, also too, you're going to want to update your estate plan. Definitely a, a very necessary step in divorce and the separation process. You're going to want to do that in a timely manner and just to make sure that everything is proper and then it'll ensure your last wishes are fulfilled just in case that day came. Uh, and it's always obviously a very good idea to meet with a lawyer uh, in the event of a change in marital status to ensure that you've covered all your bases and some of these things I'm talking about. You're going to hear me mention that a couple times. And yeah, so that's that part. So the next part, just even as simple as changing your mailing address, if applicable, if like a lot of times we'll see couples going through it and they because of the cost of homes and things like that, they have to stay in the same house for a while together. If you're fortunate enough and you can move out 
and that applies to you, well, you're going to want to make sure you're changing your address. Even if you're splitting just time in the family home until the divorce is settled, you should change your address immediately. Like I said, whether this is to a new home or maybe it's to a secure PO box, it's just important that your mail stay private as you may be receiving correspondence from your lawyer or information about your finances. And um, for both of you, just, you're both going to want that. Credit cards. So you're going to want to get off the joint credit cards, just like you are joint bank accounts. And you're going to want to get them paid down the joint credit cards. Hopefully you can agree on that and get them paid down immediately and then cancel them. Uh, just so that way you don't find yourself responsible for the debt that your spouse may accumulate when you leave the marriage. And then both of you just get your own credit cards, which would for tracking purposes and just makes it a bit easier, obviously going forward. Okay. So the, other, the next point I, I, I make is you kind of have to let the dust settle with this in regards to big financial decisions, meaning divorce can be a long road. So assets may become unavailable to you as you go through the court proceedings and conversely, you could end up having to hand over more to your spouse than planned. And it's wise to make sure that you hold off on making any big purchases or making any irreversible financial decisions until the divorce is finalized. In regards to cash flow, you, you're going to want to make sure you're going to be okay financially. And you need to be tracking now your money in and money, you should always be doing this. But I mean, now you have to do it on an individual basis, your money in, your money out. In many of my, if, you, if you're a regular listener, in many of my episodes, I keep coming back to cash flow and we've got a resource for that at my website, just greenprivatewealth.com, top of the page, there's a resource tab, you hit that and you'll find that cash flow sheet, which is a downloadable resource. Very important to have, save it to your computer, print it off and start tracking this so you can get an idea of when you're on your own, what does that look like? You'll, you'll need to work from this going forward too, to figure out what your cash flow is because potentially maybe you're going to get your own home and you're going to need a new mortgage or via or a, a mortgage or a new vehicle and you got to start figuring that out once because obviously the situation's changing you're going to have one income versus the two and you need to know exactly what those numbers are going to be and like as i mentioned already at the beginning a lot of times in marriage we see that one spouse is much more involved than the other in finance and like we unfortunately we have lots of clients have gone through divorces so we're very well educated in this area and help them go down this road so we do see a lot of times where the one spouse that has not much of a financial background and it was the one that was always taking care of things it can be a bit tougher for them obviously because this is all new so the first place they need to start is figuring out that cash flow and writing everything down and uh it's just really really important to make sure that you track that cash flow to figure it out so Basically, I mentioned with the, the legal advice, a good lawyer is going to help you understand your rights and obligations. We've all heard the horror stories of how much the cost can be for this, but a good lawyer is going to be a significant resource. And yes, there is a cost, but it can also avoid you from making costly financial mistakes. So you're going to need a plat. So in regards to back to cash flow, you're going to have a bill for a lawyer, most likely. So where's that cash going to come from? You need to start planning for that and also getting an idea and a clear idea from the lawyer on what the costs will be potentially. Getting the legal advice, it's particularly important if there's children in the marriage, a matrimonial property divide, and or large differences in income or assets between the two spouses. With lawyers, it's best to get one that specializes in family law, 
make sure it specializes. They're more, the cost is more, but it's, they're just, it's better for a separation divorce if you have a family lawyer that specializes in that. And that's really it. Divorce is, it's complicated. It can be difficult. It's definitely emotional and the finance stress is there. We see it with, with clients. It's obviously always best to have resources to work with legal and financial professionals when navigating a divorce to ensure your best interests are being looked out for and just that you're being treated fairly as the divorce proceeds. We found that when this does happen, like you're going to have your family and friends in your corner for sure, obviously, and your spouse is going to have their friends and family in their corner. And you're going to have many, many people giving you advice on this, but you need to have professionals that can kind of look at it from a more neutral stance and really educate you on what route to go and what you're entitled to. So the advice is really important in that stage. And uh, that's it, Patrice. All right, Chris, but there is one other question. How can listeners reach you? Yes, thank you. Just through the website is the easiest. Green, like the color, privatewealth.com. And there's a contact page there that you can get a hold of me. All right. And listeners, follow or subscribe to this podcast to make sure you know when the next episode is ready for you. Please be sure to share with friends and family as well. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.